0: Federal funding is headed to hydrogen hubs in Pennsylvania, and the Phillies tighten the vice on the Atlanta Braves. Welcome to The Morning Agenda, WITF's daily news podcast, where the only agenda is you. A good morning to you. It is Thursday, October 12th, and this is being recorded at 9.27 a.m. I am Tim Lambert, your host on this daily trip around the region's top stories, back from about an eight-day vacation, rested, ready and raring to go. So let's get started. Two proposed regional hubs designed to produce, distribute, and utilize hydrogen fuel in Pennsylvania have secured federal funding. Susan Phillips, who's with our partner WHYY in Philadelphia, reports it's part of President Joe Biden's effort to cut the use of fossil fuels. The 2021 Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill allocated $7 billion for 6 to 10 hydrogen hubs. The Mid-Atlantic Clean Energy Hub, or Mach 2, will get $750 million, according to a Reuters report. Mach 2 competed with about 30 other proposals nationwide another hub located in western Pennsylvania, eastern Ohio, and West Virginia will also be funded. When used as a fuel, hydrogen emits only water, but the production of hydrogen requires energy. Hydrogen can be produced by natural gas, renewables, or nuclear power. Now, President Biden plans to announce more details about the funding at an event tomorrow in Philadelphia. State lawmakers tasked with reinventing how Pennsylvania public schools are funded have heard expert testimony in Pittsburgh. Jillian Forstadt, with our partner WESA reports, educators highlighted the needs of high school career and technical programs. Darby Copeland is with the Parkway West Career and Tech Center in Allegheny County. He says Pennsylvania's current funding model for career training programs like his relies too heavily on contributions from local school districts. As long as those costs are put on the backs of school districts that are already struggling, uh, expansion's just not going to happen. It's not because they don't want to. It's not because they don't care about career and technical education or, or the kids that attend it. Attended. They have to take care of home first. Copeland says these schools need additional funding from the state to offer and maintain training programs that keep up with industry standards. Lawmakers will consider technical education as they rework how the state currently funds its K-12 schools. That comes at the mandate of a Commonwealth Court judge who found the state wasn't providing students the resources for an adequate education. Authorities say a confrontation between several people at a private party inside a western Pennsylvania community center led to gunfire that killed one man and wounded eight other people. The shooting early Sunday inside the Chevy Chase Community Center in Indiana County sent people diving from windows and bolting through doors. One critically wounded person is expected to survive and all others are stable or have been discharged. The wounded include two students from the nearby Indiana University of Pennsylvania and three from Waynesburg University. Latino economic output in Pennsylvania is among the highest in the country, according to a recent study by the nonprofit Latino Donor Collaborative. My colleague Gabriela Martinez has more on what's driving that growth. Compared to states such as California and Texas, Pennsylvania has a small and relatively newer Latino economy. But it is growing quickly, says Jose Jurado, research economist at Arizona State University and lead author of the study. In Pennsylvania specifically, um, the Latino gross domestic income there is $36 billion, and that's 4.2% of the state's gross domestic income. It's a relatively small economy, but it's accounted for 18.5% of the entire state's GDI, uh, with GDI meant gross domestic income between 2011 and 2021. Hurrado says that while the state is growing at a rate of 1.1 percent per year, the Latino sub-economy is growing at 6.2 percent and adds Latino workers make up almost 8 percent of the Commonwealth's labor force. A father-son duo have now both been convicted for crimes related to the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. My colleague Robbie Broad reports the son has accepted a plea deal from federal prosecutors. James Rahm III, a 27-year-old arrested in Philadelphia last year, pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor disorderly conduct charge for his involvement in the January 6th Capitol riot. Rahm had been laid off from a construction job in Philly when he traveled to Washington, D.C. with his father in support of false claims that Trump won the 2020 election. Video footage shows Rom and his father leading a crowd that pushed past Capitol Police and forced their way into the Capitol building. Rahm was identified by federal prosecutors through videos he posted on Snapchat on January 6th from inside the building, shouting, We just stormed the Capitol. Rom now faces up to one year in prison when he's sentenced in January. A reminder, at least 92 Pennsylvanians have been charged for their involvement in the Capitol attack to try to keep former President Donald Trump in power, even though he lost the 2020 election. That number is tied with Texas for second most in the country, behind only Florida. And Philadelphia's Bryce Harper put on a show in the postseason, hitting a three-run home run and a solo shot to lead the Phillies to a 10-2 win over Atlanta in Game 3 of the National League Division Series. The Phillies took a two-games-to-one lead and can advance to the NL Championship Series for the second straight season with a win at home today. And of course, I'd like to remind you, The Morning Agenda is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts and on YouTube at the WITF channel. And if you like what you hear, please share it with your friends and on your social media platforms. You can play a big part in spreading the word about The Morning Agenda. So as I do each and every morning, and especially this morning coming back from vacation, just trying to ease into things... I went through about a dozen news sites across central Pennsylvania looking for a few stories to put on your radar because they could cover issues that may impact you and your community in the future. So here's what you need to know. Convenience store chain Rudders has agreed to pay $1 million to settle a complaint over a data breach. It exposed more than a million customers to cyber thieves attempting to steal personal information from credit and debit cards. The York Daily Record reports the state attorney general's office detailed how information from more than 1.3 million credit or debit cards was accessed electronically over a nine-month span in 2018 and 2019. The exact number of victims isn't known, according to the Attorney General's office, nor is the number of fraudulent transactions associated with the stolen card information. The company has also agreed to conduct and document a risk assessment, undergo an independent compliance assessment, and put security improvements in place. And a retired midstate police chief has been charged in connection with a theft of nearly $7,000 from a Northumberland County Fire Company. The News Item reports former Sunbury Police Chief Bradley Hare has been charged with one felony and three misdemeanor counts of theft by unlawful taking after allegedly stealing $6,924 from the Americus Hose Company social hall office this year. Now, at the end of August, Sunbury Mayor Josh Brocious said Hare was unavailable to the police department. City Council unanimously accepted Hare's retirement at Monday night's public meeting without comment or discussion. So it's great to be back in the host chair after my eight-day vacation, and I was back in Normandy, France, just soaking up as much of the history as I possibly could, and I came across a reporter's memorial in Bayeux, France, and I have been to Bayeux several times in the past, and I never managed to stumble across this memorial. And today, this afternoon, the organization behind the memorial will be unveiling the names of 40 journalists who were killed in the line of duty in the past year. That's 40 too many, my friends. More than 2,000 journalists are listed on lines of white marble stones dating back to 1944. They include luminaries like Ernie Pyle, Robert Kappa, and Daniel Pearl. And my visit earlier this week hit pretty close to home when I came across NPR's David Gilkey's name. He was killed in Afghanistan along with his interpreter in 2016. And I just told them that we'll never forget. And those of us who follow in the footsteps of those 2,000 plus journalists who've been killed across the world since 1944 will honor their memory every single day by standing up for the facts and the truth. And once again, thank you for allowing me the chance to share that with you. Okay, let's lighten things up just a little bit. How about... What's the one song you're thinking about today? Reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at TLambert895. Let me know what it is. And you can check out our brand new Spotify playlist. It is called The Morning Agenda Song of the Day, October 2023. And there you will find my first pick post-vacation. It's Jenny Lewis's latest, Psycho. And that does it for The Morning Agenda. It's a daily news podcast from WITF where the only agenda is you. I'm your host, Tim Lambert. Thanks for listening today. Your company is always appreciated. Be well, enjoy the rest of this day, and we'll talk again tomorrow.